I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. The podcast put together with Red Raider fans in mind. This is the Tech Talk Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hi, how are you? Good afternoon. It's Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Dr. Mike Gustafson and Clint Scott. I'm Aaron Dickens. We're joining you today until 6 o'clock. We'll have the Dallas Cowboys Hour coming on at that time. Followed at 7 by Monday Night Football, the Denver Broncos at the Buffalo Bills. High school fans on at 7 on 100.7 the score featuring coaches tonight from Coronado and Estacado. We'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. You can uh, check that out at doubleT973.com. Uh, all guests appear via the Visual Edge IT hotline. Busy sports weekend. Very busy sports weekend. The theme for the weekend was defense. That's right. Uh, three, three teams, three games, three defenses. With the uh, Tech soccer team beating Florida Gulf Coast 1-0. Uh, it was probably a bit closer than everyone would have would have liked. You know, just it was kind of nip and tuck there for a while. Um, you know, and, and that's because if you, you don't win that game, you're done, you know, suddenly. And uh, thankfully, they got, they got the one goal that they needed. Defense was tremendous as normal. And uh, now you have an opportunity to play two more games at home uh, this weekend, starting Friday with uh, Princeton and then potentially, you know, Blue Blood North Carolina um, later this weekend. But you got to take care of Princeton first. And, of course, Saturday, the Tech football game. uh, I don't – I definitely – I'm not shocked the Tech won – I'm shocked that you won 16 to 13. I had a buddy of mine text me and he goes, when was the last time Tech won a game where they scored less than 16 points? And I was like, immediately came up with two examples from the last three years. <laughs> like now prior to that, it'd be a while, but you know, I was thinking, well, in Ames last year and then the game in what early December here of 2020 against Kansas that was like 16 to 13 wasn't it wasn't it the same score the uh, game here Xavier White could have run for about 240 but he kept fumbling it I mean like he had a big game that day but he was like get, yeah it wasn't um, I would say a fun game to watch Mm-mm. Especially in the second half, um, you know, it was kind of like Wyoming there for a while because you felt like, oh, oh, Tech's just going to blow them out. Well, that's that's cool. I mean, sign me up for this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Baron Morton with just a a terrible decision and a bad throw, at least from my vantage point, um, intercepted, and then the game kind of just turned mm-hmm. into uh, just a rock fight. 
That's uh, well said. Because you're thinking about the ball where he was rolling right, and you could see that safety tracking him the whole time, and he's seeing single covers over there. It's like the, that safety's just tracking you, and uh, he threw it up, and it was kind of an easy pick at that point. But the, the other thing, AD was a what a four point holding penalty because we score the touchdown, and Wilburn gets flagged for the hold, and that ended up being a field goal of that possession. But again, it was at that point sort of like you're describing that you're thinking ah this thing's rolling right along we'll be fine and then then all of a sudden the offense just stopped again we'd love to get your thoughts and comments today throughout the program on the yates flooring center chat line at double t 97.3.com and then the other game uh last night san jose state comes into uh lubbock and um you know provides Certainly a, a tougher fight than I was expecting from the uh, the Spartans. But uh, what, you hold them scoreless for the last few minutes. You go on a 10-0 run, I think, in the last few minutes. Yeah, 18 to 2 run to two, yeah, ultimately. over the last several mm-hmm. minutes. So um, you're 2-0, and you're happy to be 2-0. Uh, no one's going to be litigating the San Jose State game uh, <laughs> when the regular season ends in March. Um and so, learning opportunity, um, improvement opportunity, and you, you move forward. I will say, and in, in not like you'll still be just looking back at that game going, we should have known then, but that's a pretty experienced San Jose State team. Mm-hmm. They beat some tournament teams last year in the Mountain West, so it's not like crazy for us to look back and go, well, that was a win over a tournament team if San Jose State makes it in there. And the Mountain West put in what, four teams last year? And so if they find their way into that, it would certainly look a lot better. They were a, The shooting percentage would not look right. better. but They were a CBI team, a CBI participant last year. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I was, uh, the, uh, I, I was impressed by their competitiveness and just all the things. And I, I was – and this, you know, I, I, this speaks to a lot of things, but the – there's probably a uh, desire. There's there's probably this false sense of security around if what would we win by 14? If we win that 94 to 80, people don't walk out of there going, oh, that was, you know, like lamenting all of the problems with it. Oh, we scored 94 points, you know. But something about like a game that ends up being low scoring and less offensive is a problem and we're not we're not any good and all that stuff and I'm thinking man dude like I I thought on a night where we are on an afternoon actually where we shot like poo I mean just didn't shoot well and uh and those are gonna have brown eye yes Uh, those are gonna happen um they found a way to create some offense and found a way to get the free throw line and did some things. And then sure enough, they hit some shots down the stretch and like they're not going to go over 22 here or whatever. And, um, and then it made it look easy in the last three minutes or so, but it, but, but that what game was anything, but by the way, going into that game, it was like Vegas had us as a 15 point favorite and you're sitting there looking at the score. It's fourteen point game. Like you got to be kidding me, right? How about that? <laughs> they always know. Oh, <laughs> uh, we get this thought on the EH Flooring Center chat line. Uh, someone says, "Pretty good weekend for Tech all around." Uh, Duffin Houston says, "Most complete and thorough game coach by Joey thus far." Even though it was Kansas, that was an Oklahoma State class win. 
Even, I agree. We even talked about it on was, Friday. Even though it was Kansas, I like that. I like that mentality. Even though it was the number 16 team in the country that it just I would argue bumped, oh, yeah. the most um, impressive win of the Joey McGuire era, Saturday in Lawrence. More Tech Talk next. It's every Red Raiders favorite podcast. This is the Tech Talk Podcast from Double D 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hey there, how you going? It's Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Gus and Clint. I'm Aaron. We're joining you today until 6 o'clock. We'd love to hear what you have to say on the Yates Flooring Center chat line at Double T 97.3.com. Uh, we get this in the Yates Flooring Center chat line from uh, Kyler. Uh, Tech's offense on Saturday looks great on the first drive and the last drive. Other than that, not much excitement. Um, somebody says, don't forget the Tech volleyball team shooting out West Virginia on Friday for the second night in a row. And the Lady Raiders also got a win. Good. Uh, this from MC. Winning on the road against a ranked team is fun no matter how it looks, but it seems that this offense has no idea what they're supposed to be. I'm not sure why, but it just seems off. Glad that they woke up on the final drive. Yeah, I mean, the, I kind of have like micro and macro thoughts from Saturday because, listen, you you went on the road and beat a ranked opponent for the first time in five years, right? Like you, you had not beat a ranked opponent in a true road game since Oklahoma State in 2018 when Alan Bowman was a freshman, right? Um, it's been a long time. And um, to, to hold that Kansas offense to 13 points, e- even with a third-string quarterback playing half of the game or whatever it was, um, is is a very, very big accomplishment, right? That is that is a defensive performance that you can look back on proudly years from now, right? Like, like we talk about... 70 to 35 or 70 to 10 and 04, the, the way that you just kind of blew up on those teams. Mm-hmm. Th- this is the defense equivalent of that because that Kansas offense, we talked about it all offseason and all season so far. Their skill is very, very good, even without Jalen Daniels. Um, and to, to bottle them up the way that you did, and not even from like a bunch of fluky strip sack fumble recoveries interceptions like you didn't just seven turn them field over. goals yeah. yeah sure you just you just stopped them um stuffed them on a fourth and goal from the one yeah like that's you have no reason to apologize or feel bad about this win whatsoever no um you know big picture wise macro uh, yeah i mean the offense the passing offense specifically is very puzzling i think um if i'm if i'm being kind of charitable Clearly, Baron Morton is is still not right, and he'll tell you that. He'll um, say that in the post game comments, but yeah. And you know, I, I think that uh, that's a bit alarming because he had more time off to prepare for that game on Saturday than he will have for UCF this coming Saturday. Um, so, so clearly, that's affecting things in some way. I, I'm not educated enough to tell you how much, um, and, and so. That kind of, I don't know, 
covers up or clouds any other discussion about the offense, I guess, mm-hmm. if passing-wise? Well, it's a yeah, – nobody wants to hear this, but the whole backup QB thing, as you watch another team have an injury early and the offense just doesn't work, it's just an, another another instance of which, boy, that starting quarterback was out there for a reason, wasn't he? And, and and in their case, their situation of the day was a lot like Tex. They'd been playing with Bean under quarterback so long, it's like he was the season starter. Like yeah, I mean, Jalen Daniels, like, yeah. like Tyler Shuck, been out of the picture so long. We're, no, 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 we're just talking about Bean and Morton. Jason Bean has more starts under his belt. This is just a guess, an educated guess, but I think I'm either right or very close to right. He has more starts under his belt at Kansas than any other quarterback on Tex roster does. Yeah, that makes makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, because yes. he was the starter before Jalen Daniels got there. Correct. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's been in a ton of action for three seasons now and one full one. And I mean, we can just have an aside here. Like, how many teams would Jason Bean start for right now in the Big Twelve? Baylor, TCU. I haven't paid enough attention to Iowa State to know. It, it feels like I could say half. And that seems fair. Not go in because, like, he would start at Cincinnati. Um, those teams that you mentioned, he feels like he would start at BYU right now, or at least be close. Well, because they're kind of battle. benching their guy or whatever yeah. it is. Um, um, I think he, he's a about, better version of Garrett Green. I was going to say, I'd be curious about the West Virginia angle. Beans like Max Duggan, and that he was the starter, seemingly lost his job to the other guy. And now he's back starting. Right. And, he, and like you said, he's been doing it for so long that it's, you, you almost have to forget about him not playing. But back to my original point, you know, it just points to like when, when you're down to your third string quarterback, things just, you're going to have problems, man. I mean, you just are. And, and I had so many people texting me during the game, this guy's so much better than Jake Strong. Strong didn't give us anything like this guy. And I'm sitting there going, 13 points? Okay, you know, like, I must be missing all that he's offering them. I'm sure that Tech was going to great efforts to say, hey, let the, let the freshman beat us. Like, and so he's going to hit a couple of throws here or whatever. But the big fellow back there, Devin Neal's not running loose on us. And he did, he got loose a little bit. Yeah, one time. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, at that point, it becomes a whole lot easier to go, that guy can't beat us. And, and, uh, you know, much much in the same way that it it was probably easy to say that around our Jake Strong, like you just they, there's no shot that they had all their playbook left to them. And listen, that's it, this is more of a commentary about us in terms of the BYU game. Which if you could give me any game back, just straight up give me any game back, I think that's the one I'm taking because those clowns are no good. Well, and. I mean, in, in defense of the people that were in, we had one on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Um, somebody said, uh, KU's third string quarterback is better than our third string quarterback. There you go. Perfect. You, you make a good point, right? Like, hey, 13 points, um, you know, that's hardly some kind of Manning esque effort there. Um, but at least he didn't fumble on handoffs, mm-hmm. right? Like, that, mm-hmm. that, that stuff is what really bit you against BYU more than, you know, making a wrong read or overthrowing a 
a receiver or whatever. Uh, this in the chat line, these receiver screens do not work. Make them stop, please. The the frustrating, and this is what bothers me about the passing offense. I, I don't, like, I don't hate the calls, right? Like when, when you're, when you're punishing people with your running game as tech certainly was early in the game, um, you know, more players begin to creep up into the box, mm -hmm. which gives you some one-on-one -on -one opportunities on the outside. And that's the, the screens make perfect sense in those scenarios. And they made perfect sense again, but, from a very lay person perspective, yeah, against Kansas they're, on Saturday. Their blitz beaters. problem was yes. you you just did a terrible job blocking. Mm -hmm. Like you were you were double teaming this one guy, right? With with two of your three outside receivers, the third had the ball, and the, I guess they switched too late or just forgot about the other guy who swooped in and made a, a tackle it. for a yeah. minimal gain, if not a loss. Mm -hmm. And like that's, I mean, that, that's still coaching if you want to kind of like harp on that. Um, it's not, but I don't, I don't have an issue with the play call. I mean, that, and there were multiple like that. Those are, those are the, uh, the, the blitz beater calls. They're the, they're the, you know, matchup calls. If, if, if a team doesn't put three people out, you know, doesn't shift three out to your trips, you know, if they stay in a zone and stay in a balanced situation, you can outnumber them. That's the reason why that play is run a million times these days as opposed to the three times it was called a season when I was a kid. But, um, you know, with all these spread formations, but, yeah, I mean, th there's also a level of just getting after it and executing it. It's, it's got to be done. I mean, you, you, and it somewhere also in helps, there you got to win battles. Yeah, and it also helps manage your ailing quarterback's, uh, you know, injured shoulder. Sure. Right? Not having to press the ball uh, down the field as much. More Tech Talk next. podcast put together with Red Raider fans in mind. This is the Tech Talk podcast from Double T 97.3 presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hey there, how you going? It's Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Gus and Clint. I'm Aaron. We're joining you today until six. Would love to hear what you have to say on the Yates Flooring Center chat line at Double T 97.3.com. Uh, we're going to, of course, major in tech football today after their win over Kansas on Saturday. Their bull hopes remain alive. Uh, they will take on UCF on Saturday, perhaps their best chance for a sixth win. Uh, they're currently favored over the Knights, but hey, they just beat the absolute crap out of Oklahoma State. Um, and so not, not nearly the uh, walk in the park that I think a lot of us were maybe assuming two or three weeks ago. Um, this question from Paolo, if Bean was able to finish the game, does Tech win? You know, who, I mean, who knows? I don't know. I mean, he's, he's pretty dang explosive. And so is there one play in there that he, he could have changed things? I don't know. I, uh, I would listen to an argument that they would not, I, I'm not sure. dismissing that at all. My only thought there would be you, you prepare all week for Jason Bean mm -hmm. defensively, right? And what he can do, how he how he can hurt you with his legs, all that stuff. And then suddenly he's out. You're not prepared. What was that kid's name? Ballard? Hayden Ballard? Cole Ballard. Cole Ballard. I got I was close. Uh you you're not prepared for Cole Ballard. 
right? And suddenly that offense is is significantly different. Not necessarily as potent, but just different. And so how much of what you prepared during the week translates to a Kansas offense with Cole Ballard versus what you prepared for with Jason Bean? Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think that it's a given that you would have lost, I guess is my point. Well, yeah. And I also have no also, sympathy. I know. That's where I was going. I, I could give a crap about that hypothetical. And I don't, I'm not saying that to to our text or I'm not appreciate your interest in texting in and all, but I'm like, you know what? If, if, if they want to get a redo on that and then give me a redo on Provo. Our, on, yeah. yeah and, and I'll even take Morgantown. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but I, you know, that's just, that's just the way it goes. And again, it also is a reminder to everyone who just stood around, you know, just, just breathless with anger over the losses with, strong under center the second half dismal second half against k-state in provo and you start looking around the conference and you go man when these teams are playing with their backup qbs and certainly when they're going three deep it's funny how the just the losses start to pile up i mean it's 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 pretty dang rare and by the way you know who didn't play with their backup and still look like crap and i would imagine the seat is on fire now as the university of houston that had to be the worst lead loss in the deal. Like I thought, um, Rice is pretty bad, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I meant across the weekend. Sorry. Okay, my mistake. But that's all right. I wasn't clear. But I, I, I saw just a tiny little bit of that. We're actually it was on in a place we stopped to get a quick bite, and uh, and they come out at halftime, and and Donovan first play, Donovan the twenty yard kind of in route or whatever. It looked like the receiver. It looked like the receiver's trying to draw a charge. Like the safety runs through the it's receiver. It's hard to do now. Yeah, yeah, I know. It looked like the, the the receiver was just trying to get a call, you know, and he kind of he kind of flails and limp bodies this thing. And the since then, I can't remember if he popped it up in the air to be intercepted or if he just beat him to the ball and picked it. And I was like, what a half a effort that was. And and then they put up a graphic like their one touch. It was twenty seventeen to seven, twenty seven something like that. And and Donovan, it was like scoring drive, twelve plays. 82 yards. Rest of the game, it was like 18 plays, 24 yards or so. Just awful. And, uh, yeah, I would think that that operation is uh, counting their – packing their crap up. Yeah. I I mean, still technically able to get to a bowl game. Uh, They host Oklahoma State um, this weekend, and they're at UCF. They need to win both of those games. And they just lost at home to Cincinnati. Yeah, they've lost three of four. I mean, and really, were it not for a, you know, miraculous kind of ending there against Baylor, um, they'd be three and seven right now. I mean, and heck, like the West Virginia game, that, that was even kind of very, very... So by I mean they're not very far away at all from being what two and eight. Um, yeah, I think I think as the weeks progress, we are getting closer to uh, Dana Holgerson being dismissed and maybe even Dave Aranda. Yeah. Uh, this on the H Flooring Center chat line. Um, someone says still not convinced about Kitley running the offense. So, I mean he's definitely running the offense. Um, <laughs> That's that's definitely happening. Um, this in the Yates Flooring Center chat line from Sam. Oh, was that 
Uh, I was watching an interview with Tim Hasselbeck, and he said the AC joint sprain was the most painful injury he dealt with. And realistically, it's a six- to eight-week recovery. Also, Anthony Richardson sprained his AC joint in his throwing shoulder, and it required season-ending surgery. The shoulder injury is a big deal for Barron. He clearly doesn't have the same velocity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the interception seemed like it was, not only it was a bad decision no matter what, um, but it was it was short and on the inside. Right. And I am hardly some expert, but I feel like when you're throwing that particular route, whether they're three defenders having a tea party in the area or not, you want in front on the outside. Right. Back, yeah, back corner. If if our guy doesn't catch it, nobody catches it. Right. Kind of a deal. The guy in the band can catch it, stick it in his tuba. This and the H Flooring Center chat line. Two of those three. Sorry, two of those screens were thrown to receivers with no blockers. The others crappy blocking. Um, yeah, largely, I think my criticism of the receivers uh, is the same. Right? Uh, it, it just seems like you're always kind of waiting for one of them to make a play. Koi Aiken has been. Um, a, a pleasant surprise, and, even and then he had a monster drop. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're at the point with about four minutes left. I, 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 I remember telling my wife, like, and of course, this is the kind of thing that your wife looks at you and goes, uh, you know, I don't shut care. up. Yeah, but I'm like two, maybe three first downs, and they show our huddle, and Kitley's got, a, he's holding up three fingers, and I could see him saying first downs. I was, I think he just said what I was saying. Three first downs, you win this thing. And and it's like a third and six, and Aiken, you know, a little in route deal, and just donk, just dumps the throw, and I'm like, are we, you know, like, is this group just? And in, in fairness to him, it's a freshman, big mom trying to do too much. Who knows? By all it's rights, like, he shouldn't have the pressure of being one right. of your two best or most consistent receivers. And and I think we had already gotten the first first down because they had had that defensive pi or I mean a yeah a pi. So, like, we're, there's one, you know, and now we're about to get into their timeouts, mm-hmm. and Aiken dumps that throw, and sure enough, they go down and score. You know, like, golly, we, you just make the routine play. I mean, it was a gr- great throw right here. Catch it. But in the down, interest of uh, credit where credit is due, Bradley comes up huge at the very end. Twice. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And, and you win that game as a result. Yes. So, and those more the, of that, please. Those were the Mr. plays Bradley. that, yeah, those are the plays that you would think he's built for, right? Oh, look, single coverage. Throw it up. He goes and wins the battle because he's the bigger and more physical. More Tech Talk coming up next. The podcast that finishes your workday in a very Red Raider way. This is the Tech Talk podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hey there, how you going? It's Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Gus and Clint. I'm Aaron. We're joining you today until 6 o'clock. would love to hear what you have to say on the EH Flooring Center chat line at Double T 97.3.com. This person says, I really hate the current state of college football and coaching hires slash firing. Can you imagine Tech having to fire Spike Dykes? and pay him $75 million. If you had told me 30 years ago that this kind of thing would be possible, I would have laughed at you. It's absurd. You know, it's. I'm, I'm curious, gentlemen, if we might see some kind of correction in the near future with these massive, mostly guaranteed contracts. And I'm not talking about the stuff that you're paying, like Joey McGuire, right? Or 
Lance Leipold mm-hmm. or Chris Kleiman or but I mean let's let's kind of go around the room, right? Mel Tucker, massive contract, mostly guaranteed, fired uh for uh having phone sex with a woman uh who happened to be A, not his wife, and B a vendor for the university, right? And has brought great kind of embarrassment to the program and the university. And plus, even past that, they kind of sucked this year. And there was no indication that he was going to kind of get them back on track. Uh, James Franklin getting paid $10 million a year to lose every year to Michigan and Ohio State. Right? The only the only two games, the only two programs that are kind of like um, barometer games for Penn State, and, and they lose them every time. They fired their offensive coordinator on Sunday. I'm sure that'll make everything better. Um, Lincoln Riley, they can't stop a nosebleed at USC. Jimbo Fisher fired. Uh, one good year. It was the COVID year. Everything else has been pretty average um, and and not really even above normal Aggie standards. It was, I mean, Kevin Sumlin had a better record through as many games uh, than Jimbo Fisher did. And so you look around and it's like the, the batting average on those massive, just gigantic obscene contracts, not very good. And I wonder about, like, uh, are there ways to incentivize those? And, I, and the answer is, I know the answer to that is, yeah, you probably can. There's no rule against that. But if school A offers some incentive-laden deal and school B, B comes in there and guarantees a little bit more, coach is going to sign with school B. Now, all of the – all of the, and you, you've talked about this a bunch, the, the compete against yourself – you know, on the, like renewals and those type things or extensions, like, you know, I, like in, in breathless fear of some school that's going to come out and come get your guy, you know, and then you look back on some of those extensions and go, that didn't work well. Jimbo was one of them. You know, it's like, were, were you really worried about him leaving? I mean, I, I get you don't want it to be, you don't want the contract to get near the end of the life of the contract and it's used against you in recruiting. We're not talking about that, but extending him another six years or tearing up this deal. And yeah. Like, because they extended him after COVID, anywhere. yeah, and and anywhere. that was just like three years or so into the contract, no. and so he still had a massive amount of money left on the deal that was fully guaranteed. Who was going to hire him? Right, like you said, nobody, and, and, and like, and no offset language in that, you know, which was fascinating, and you know, no practice. God dang, man! I mean. Like Jimbo gets all the money, and if he takes another job, and I don't know who's going to be clamoring to take him, but you know, if he really wants to be around coaching, he could go get the job at Samford or whatever, which is where actually it's where his son is kicking now, or about to be kicking, or something like that. But it's where he got his start in coaching. I mean, you could totally see a guy like that that just goes goes there for a couple oh, hundred thousand yeah. dollars a year or whatever, and it's just money on top of the Aggie money. Like, Ali, they didn't even. They didn't even put an offset in there. So it, it's the the number sound well, the number is obscene. It's yeah. gross. It's seventy five million dollars, maybe a bit more than that. It is he's not gonna get one big like publisher's clearinghouse size check for seventy five million dollars. Um he's owed a certain percentage within the next, I don't know, couple of few weeks. I think that tallies up to about you know, fifteen to nineteen million dollars. That's one check. And then within, I think, four months, um, they owe him another set percentage that I think is maybe around 7 or $8 million. And then that starts the clock of, 
All right, every every year on that day, kind of like a Bobby Bonilla deal, mm-hmm. you get seven million dollars. Okay, and then that runs until early twenty thirties. A lot of money, right? But if you're you know a big money donor at A and M, and they have a lot of them, yep. a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, my understanding is that's kind of a there's there are tax benefits to being able to to write those checks. Right, so it's not just a total loss to them, and um, you're talking about people for whom half of seven million dollars or whatever they're kind of part of that deal missing from their portfolio is not something that they're really losing sleep about. So it, it, it isn't as crippling as as one might think for A and M or their donor base or anything like that. Stuart Mandel today. Uh, this morning had this tweet and and because we've we've all done what you're what you're doing there although you you did it from a calendar side and and sort of the 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 fun side of it as well Zaggy's writing checks and you know making him go away or whatever mandel tweeted this and said to pay jimbo fisher's massive buyout ad ross bjork bjork mm-hmm. mohajer real near but Said the initial, work. the initial nineteen million will come from A and M's donor fund. Then the athletics budget takes a hit, seven point three million dollar hit a year for eight years. And and really that's just flipping the conversation around to say how are they handling that internally? And so nineteen million is sort of a the amount that they paid this guy to go away, and the other eight million's coming out of you know their media rights money and. Tick sweet sales and tickets and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then there's the staff, yeah. right? Oh my gosh. And I think and they haven't those, hired anybody new yet either. Well, the the old staff, I uh, think some of them just signed new deals earlier this calendar year, um, and I'm I'm sure that most of those are multi year deals, and most of those are guaranteed. So that's again, that's not seventy five million dollars, but it adds up. And then, like you just pointed out, you got to go get the next guy. Well, and his staff. And let's let's just presume, which among the names is chief among the names being reported is the name that you threw out there the other day, and that's Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's not coming over there for two million dollars a year. Yeah. I mean, you're not recruiting him from an SEC West rival. Dan Lanning has also been thrown yeah. out there. That would make a lot of sense from a fit perspective, SEC experience, all that stuff. I think it just to get him uh, is twenty million dollars, not. Not on top. I mean, on top of which you have to pay his salary and then buy a staff. But just to get him out of his contract with Oregon, twenty mil. I was interested by the fact that the Washington head coach was on that list with six or eight names, one of whom was Cliff Kingsbury. And I thought, isn't that funny that the Washington and Oregon guys are getting floated for a job? Like, makes you wonder if they all think, hey, these people don't want to be flying back and forth across the country. Probably. More tech talk next. It's every Red Raiders favorite podcast. This is the Tech Talk Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hey there, how you going? It's Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Gus and Clint. I'm Aaron. We're joining you today until 6 o'clock. We'll have the Dallas Cowboys Hour coming up at that time, followed by Broncos and the Bills Monday Night Football here on Double T 97.3. We'd love to get your thoughts and your comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. You can access that at Double T 97.3.com. 
Uh, this in the chat line, uh, if I told you that football was going to lose the next two games, but soccer would play for the national championship, would you take it? Uh, they may or may not win, but they would play for it. I'd probably take that, yeah. National I championship? I would not. And I, 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 believe me, don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying I don't understand the value difference. Just it's it's so hard to play for a championship in anything. And we've you know we've got such a pile of national championship trophies over there. If this was 15 years ago, I, I would I would answer the same as you. Yeah. With um, with some hoops and some baseball well, and no, it, it, some track. no, it's more to do with kind of the tenuous um, landscape across college athletics, and I, I just don't think you can take any seasons off yeah. in football um, because if if this thing does, um, you know, break down into just kind of a, a separate power conference, and then everyone else is left behind. I mean, you're definitely not getting in at 32 teams. You're probably not getting in at 40 teams. And and at 44 yeah, sure. and, and 48, I think still you want to be clear head and shoulders above, you know, one or both of Baylor and TCU. And so, at, at, you know, while no one's going to be throwing a parade over six and six, you know, assuming you get there, at least you're kind of continuing momentum three straight bowl seasons, two straight seasons winning uh, more than you lose in the Big 12, et cetera. And, and I, I love following this tech soccer program, right? That's I, I really enjoy women's soccer. World Cup, yep. Texas Tech, uh, big fan. Um, I just, I think for the good of the whole program, the, the, the whole athletics program, I think you just can't afford yeah, for pick football. To, Yours is the more reasoned and thought-out response. Well, there. and to be fair to me, or to, to be fair to you, I've seen that text for the like, last 15 minutes, so my response has kind of been flipping. Because <laughs> we're a little bit behind. Cold and calculated. Um, this and the EH Flooring Center channel from Jesse. Uh, should we be worried about UCF? What happened to Oklahoma State? Is UCF that good? Love your show. Thank I you, I can Jesse. tell you this. The little bit of that I saw... Oklahoma State had zero interest in being there. Now, some of that was because they came out and got popped right in the chin. But, uh, you know, and it was rainy and crappy there. But that operation looked disinterested in that game as it went along. But, you know, just the pass drops and the slop that they put out there. And I, th I thought, I mean, all I could hear, all I could think about was the old fat little girlfriend's line from Leach. And I thought... You know, because they, they won Bedlam last week, man. And they won that in Stillwater, right? Am I right? I mean, it was last week, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if there was ever, ever a scenario in which drinks are free, boys, come on, you know, like that that that, that hadn't just been, you know, for a, for a full week. And, and, and uh, you know, for as good as, I mean, that team's done, that team's exceeded my expectations, Oklahoma State has. But uh, far exceeded, but I, I wouldn't have, you know, the, the, they got kicked and it start, It was raining and it, it was the kind of deal where they, they look like, hey, those guys are ready to get out of here, man, because <laughs> nothing was working and they got stomped. Either of you ever seen the movie Hook with Robin Williams? Oh, my God. A yeah. hundred years ago. You did? Yeah. There's a, there's a point in that movie fairly early on after, uh, you know, older aged 
Peter Pan returns to the island and he, he, you know, hooks up with the Lost Boys. And they, they have no idea who he is. They don't recognize him. They're about to put him to the sword. And then this little boy comes up, takes off Robin Williams' glasses, kind of stretches his face around a little bit to get rid of some of the wrinkles and go, oh, there you are, Peter, right? I, I felt like that <laughs> on Saturday when I watched Alan Bowman throw three interceptions. Yeah. Oh, you're back. Like, oh, there <laughs> you are, Alan. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that experience. Um, There's our guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they just they played like crap. They were clearly um, they didn't do a good job as a as a team, as a staff certainly, of moving past um, that big win over Oklahoma. And then Alan Bowman was just abysmal. Yep. I mean, he had a Jake Strong type game, except you don't really need that or expect that from a sixth year senior player. And and suddenly the UCF operation with what six six hundred yard games in a row for their running back. And we got a guy that's doing that same thing, but they look they look pretty explosive. They and they were doing whatever with ease, and they were just dominating both sides of the ball, like both sides of the offensive line or both sides of the line of scrimmage. Let me say it that way. I mean, they just rolled. It didn't really feel like um, Oklahoma had much interest in the game after halftime. They right. were down twenty four nothing, and you know. You come out and it's still raining and yeah, like I mean, oh, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> um, th- they gave up plays of ninety-two yards, of seventy-five yards. They had four. I'm sorry, they had three other receivers with catches of thirty-seven or more yards. They just, I think that game says more about Oklahoma State than UCF. Now maybe I'm sitting here a week from now and I I'm talking a different story because UCF comes in and just you know wrecks shop. And they're good. You can't overestimate or underestimate them. You got to take them seriously. You're gonna to have to play one of your better games to win. Um, but I don't think that they're actually 42 points better yeah, on a neutral field than Oklahoma State. And let's hope that uh, you know this week they're getting told how great they are yeah. and life is good. And beers on me, boys. It kind of felt like in that game. Of course, whenever you what you have a touchdown for UCF. And then fumble it away, and then they score again, and you're basically giving them a 14 point head start. UCF has kind of felt like, what's the opposite of fool's gold? Like fool's trash. Real gold? Oh. Because it feels like they are better than what they have been in their first year in the Big 12. They just kept finding new ways to lose, and it felt like they finally had everything go together, and then on top of it, kind of took some frustrations out on Oklahoma State once they got their foot on their throats. I kind of feel like, too, that um, the grind of a Power 5 conference, we've really seen that take a toll on all four of the newcomers, right? Because you don't you don't play Kansas State and then Baylor and then Kansas in back-to-back-to-back weeks in the American Athletic Conference, right? This has been the Tech Talk Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.